This is Allison Goodman here at Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. It is time to get embarrassed with us. Also in no, the you're green room. Hello. Hi. Hey. This is Lost Throughout, and who? Wait, wait. There was a third voice there. What? The third voice. Um. This is Lost Throughout on Radio Free Brooklyn. My name is Alan. I'm Jimmy. Hey, I'm Doug. I'm what? back. What? Yeah. Back in the studio. We are always happy to listen to what you have to submit to the show at lostandrewound at gmail dot com. That's right. Again, the show is here to go into the past, to dive into the tapes, to find, again, any sort of audio treasures you have, audio time capsules, so we can go back and, you know, just get a glimpse into, you know, our own future. That's how you got to look yes. back to look forward. You know what I'm talking about? This is, this is correct. Connect the dots to see how we got from there to here. Yeah. But again, this ain't free. So mm-hmm. if you guys would like, you can, again... Help sponsor our show or sponsor the station because we ain't making no dough. So, again, if you want to do that, you can go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com slash pledge. Or you can, again, sponsor our show directly at RadioFreeBrooklyn.com slash L-A-R. The arts. It's really important now. More than ever. Soon, there'll be no arts. I hope not. That's really grim, dude. Grimmy Jimmy. Well, if you if you donate, maybe we'll have arts. This is the key. You gotta, you know, you gotta spend money to make money. I'm talking about. How you been, Doug? Great. How you been, Alon? I've been uh, tired. I've been growing a huge beard. Yeah, oh, yeah? dude, you're it's... looking uh, like a man over there. Do you have a beard goal? Or uh, is it just for fun? Or what's I, I, up? I'm looking forward to getting out of chia pet status. Let's just say that. All right. Oh, God, I'm out. I, I can't get that way. Like if I go, if I try to go that far, they're gonna stop me in the airport, and I just can't. Once again, if you want to contribute to Lost and Rewound or Radio Free Brooklyn, those sites again are, and also to contribute to maybe giving me a fucking haircut or a beard trim. No, don't do that. Uh, RadioFreeBrooklyn.com/lar for direct sponsorship and to the site as a whole. RadioFreeBrooklyn.com/pledge. Uh, we got another guest coming in one second. And also, we're going to be talking about some of my clips today, because fuck it, why not? So we'll be back right after these messages. Turning to Lost and Rewound in the new broadcast formation. 
is our friend Doug Bledgie. Hello, Alon. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome to the studio. Thank you for having me here. Thank you for being back. A kind of a, an amusing occurrence that now we've got a tale of two Dugs in the studio. <laughs> Hi, I'm I'm Doug Two. Doug, wait, who? Well, oh, no, no, no. That you're Doug One. I, mean, I don't I'm, know. I'm not. I'm not, trying, I'm not here to fight for the throne. Wait, so this it's is like a so it's, on it's, first it's, D, it's DJ and DB. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. But uh, out of respect DJ. for the other Doug, uh, I think for the rest of this, I will be going by Bledgy, my mm. last name. So from now, or the just, or the Bledgster or Bledgerino. any variations of that name will work. So uh, I know for a fact that uh, you continue and still have it. We gotta definitely touch base on what you've been up to, DJ wise. But your DJ name is Bledgenator. It's not, but that, uh, <laughs> why did I think it was, I, 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 I hope you do that to every DJ. Uh, yeah, like everybody who comes, like, tell me about so how Tom, like, your DJ be, name is Bledgenator. So uh, Tom, your name is Tominator? Uh, yeah. <laughs> My DJ name is DJ Doug Dealer, uh, which okay. is, that's just the most current one. Uh, I I've like had, it. You've had other ones, though. And this is I mean, Doug, the, Doug, Doug approval. The yeah. one that stuck the most throughout the years that I retired uh, about three or four years ago, uh, which it was uh, it was DJ Burger King Sexy was the name. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah, my uh, my friend just has a – I just saw his in a band. It's like someone's Burger Rickshaw. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's like four different words for all the members of the band. Yeah. <laughs> When I started DJing, uh, well, I've been DJing since I was a kid, but I mean, like, when I started DJing with, you know, like a program, like Ableton or whatever, uh, it w- I was about 19, and I was walking through this town area, like, at, it was like 12 at night or whatever, and it was this kind of a bar town, Long Island, uh, Huntington Village. I had just gotten uh, a pizza, but it, I had a Burger King cup with me, because for some reason this pizza place had stocked all these these Burger King cups there. And this girl passed by, like this drunk girl, and like she was trying to say something nice, I guess. But all that came out was, like she just saw the cup and was like, hey Burger King, sexy. And that ultimately was I was just I went back to my car and I was like I got the name I had, I had a gig. Sometimes that the stars align. Yeah. So yeah, I used that until I guess until about I was like twenty six or so, and then like I don't know, I felt a little silly about it. I stopped using it. Doug, did a woman ever give you a DJ name and you were like, mm, I'll think about that? <laughs> uh, no, no is the answer to that. <laughs> I had a friend give me the name that I used, and I'm. Going to possibly, I'm going to try to possibly foray into hip hop again. Right. Yeah. But my friend goes, dude, he goes, if you ever, and he said it to me actually as a name I should use for a regular band, but I right. used, I thought I would use it for hip hop. He goes, dude, if you ever get a band, Jimmy, your band should be Jim Jamma and the Skillionaires. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yes. Yep. <laughs> oh was, my God. And in that moment, I was like, that's amazing. Like, yeah. I, I, I can't even, and dude, like, <laughs> Even for like for years, if you go online, like my uh, my Instagram is still sl- Jim Jam- Slim Jim Slim Jammer. Jammer yeah, yeah. So that's the thing is when I started doing hip hop, I was like, oh, I'm going to be Jim Jammer. Yeah, I added the Slim because of because why not? Yeah, <laughs> come on, you know, Slim Jim Jammer and the Skinny as, 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 men, as many superlatives as you can pack into your name as possible. <laughs> yeah, that exactly. really makes it better. Exactly. Having such a wordy name like me, I always was trying to figure out how I could create such a easily flowing uh, DJ or MC name. E3? We got it already. It's, I guess we do. Crazy, E3, dude. And crazy then if, Egon. Crazy and then, Egon. <laughs> again, if anybody ever asks, you can just be like, yo, 
I got to tell you on the court. I can't. I got to show you. Well, you you want to know who E3 is? <laughs> I got to show you. <laughs> but Alon, though, I'm actually though curious, though. How did you get the name uh, Dance-a-thon Alon? That was Chris Ehrman, a.k.a. Chris Goldteeth, back in 2008. Yeah, I know. It was before I used to hang around uh, the, the karaoke bars in Brooklyn. I, I think I uh, <laughs> I came into the fold around January of 2010, yes. I think. And... Uh, yeah, you're still in my phone as Dancathon a lot. That's cool. You're under D. <laughs> <laughs> For Danziger. Dancing, dancer, Danziger, Danziger. I mean, you could. there's all sorts of different ways you could. A credible dancing Danziger. Exactly. Actually, uh, I recently, for what it may be worth, I have gotten into this whole rhythm of dancing on comedy shows. So if y'all have anybody who's looking that for does sound funny. an improvised dancer for your comedy shows that you know of. Like, you, almost, you almost spit out your coffee. Do you budget. stand to the side, kind of like a sign language translator? Maggie Lally, out in QED in Astoria, tapped me to be on her variety show, and she asked me what song I was going to do. I was like, well, technically, I really don't have a song I want to do. Um, you can pick the song, and I don't know what it will be until I'm up there. So that's what I did. And it ended up being some like recent remix of Time After Time. But it was like an aughts version. And I could so, see you being like the choreographer in Napoleon Dynamite. Like you're showing uh, him at it. Like, let me show you how this to do this right. That's basically, that's basically what happened. Yeah. It, it was basically like a Napoleon Dynamite-esque dance that uh, went for three and a half minutes with improvised choreography. So, yeah, that's what I do now. But back when I did. That's your, that's your thing now. <laughs> this is, my, this is my, new, my new career opportunity. Again, like the same if way. If I'm not I'm, here in the studio, I am dancing on somebody's stage in Brooklyn or Queens. Are you teaching improv dance at UCB anytime soon? <laughs> Shoot, no, man. I, I don't know if I'm cut out for that. What was that uh, music video with Christopher Walken the same way? Rockefeller. No, sorry, not Rockefeller. Sky. That would be uh, Weapon, Weapon of Choice. Of choice. You yes. know, that, that's, that's your style. That's, that's what you do. If you, could, if you could, you know, get some aerial tricks to add to your... If you took off from the stage at any point, I wouldn't be surprised. There's no way I could say. touch walking. There's no way. Well, I think you'd, have to, get, you'd have to get into a ribbon dancing class or something. <clears throat> really expand your repertoire. Yeah, no, and that video really just, that's kind of the state of the art for that sort of thing. <laughs> it's yeah. funny, though, Doug, that you mentioned ribbon dancing because that's yet another Spike Jones-directed music video with uh, Sofia Coppola. Chemical Brothers, Pico. Oh, oh uh, Electra, uh, Electra, Bank. Electra Bank. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Pico's the track after. Right. Dig your own hole. <laughs> well, so that fe- that one featured her doing ribbon dancing. Right. In really amazing work. Too. Oh, that I remember watching that video on uh, Twelve Angry Viewers uh, back in like I guess nineteen ninety seven or ninety eight. Uh, which does anybody remember that show? It Draw, sounds familiar. Drawing a blank. Cr- crickets, crickets. This is, this is MTV, though, yeah? MTV, yeah. It was a show that came on, I think, daily, uh, every weekday. What was the name again? 12 Angry Viewers. And the premise of the show was that 12 uh, selected people would watch three videos. They'd rank them. Uh, they'd give them, I think, a rating of one, two, three. Uh, and uh, whatever got ranked up the most points at the end of the episode would they would say would you know go into heavy rotation on MTV. I really don't think that's true because I don't think anything that won. I think just MTV just would play what was popular. It didn't really matter. But uh, I I found out about a few things uh, from that. That was the first time I'd ever heard of uh, Blink One Eighty Two. Sure. Uh, the video for "Damn It" was on it, and uh, and the rest is history. Yeah, it all started with 12, 12, 12 angry viewers. They didn't win, though. I don't think anything I liked won. Because uh, your taste was just too good. I was for just MTV. too good. It was just too like niche. Oh, you 
do have events that correlate with the world of music videos still. Is that correct? Yeah, although there's nothing booked currently. Uh, I run uh, – the first time I was on this show, Yes. Uh, I was uh, – I had just formed uh, the Teenage Guide to Popularity yes. with my best friend Alicia Kennedy. What we are is a music video VJ group, so we just book – parties places if we just play videos the most recent one we did was a christmas party cool uh occasionally we do stuff that's just djing we did an in excess themed party back in october but right now it's funny to say that we're on hiatus because she and i still hang out multiple times a week like we're getting dumplings after this but like sure. uh but there's nothing booked for teenage guide to popularity currently the thing that i've been doing lately is a DJ party. Uh, it's an indie dance party called Young Adult Friction. I think that's kind of it, is that we're both focusing on other other projects right now. That's mine. And what is uh, Young Adult Friction all about? Young Adult Friction is a, a dance party that's billed as an indie alt dance party, which is unfortunate because we... <laughs> that means no dancing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It was unfortunate because we started this party back in July, and I'm not saying that the alt-right didn't exist back then, but it became very popular in the last few months. Uh, so now I'm a little bit concerned that people will see the name and think that this is a fascist party. But oh, it's, no. But it's not. It's a totally fun. No, uh, no armbands. You'll be all right. <laughs> yeah. It's an extremely fun, uh, you know, equal opportunities party that we're, in which we play um, – we play Indian alternative music. So what that means is pretty much anything that could be skewed in that direction. Everything from 70s David Bowie to current things like Tame Impala. Or, uh, we also kind of go a little bit more – I don't want to say obscure, but we try to keep it like a last party. I played something from the new Priests album, which just actually just came out uh, yesterday or last week. We keep it fresh. We keep it new. But we also play the classics. We play stuff from – 10 years ago, 5 years ago, 20 years ago, 40 years ago. All that kind of fall under that sort of indie or alternative umbrella. And it's always danceable. It's it's very much a dance party. It's Valentine's Day coming up. You probably have something in the cooker, no? I don't. I was trying to book one of my slow dance parties, uh, but uh, no one's no one's bit this year. I have a <sighs> slow dance party called Closer, and I was going to try to do that one, but it just yeah was not in the cards this year, unfortunately. Is that the nature of just getting uh, the heads in the door and finding the right bar that's willing to yeah it's about like cooperate yeah exactly like I didn't that one it's like this year out I just wrote to one place and the thinking that they'd be into it but they haven't gotten back so no closer this year maybe sometime over the summer there'll be a closer but uh, the next young adult friction is well it's either going to be on March 3rd or March 4th uh, at El Cortez and where can people find out more information about that facebook.com slash young adult friction party sweet I was curious about in the realm of music videos because of some ideas that I had for the themes of this episode. Uh, I was curious for the gentleman at the table here. Uh, what was the first music video that you guys remember arousing you? Ooh, I got this right away. Um, Should I? I'll, I'll go last. Or wait, no. Do you guys have to think? I about have it? to think about it. Okay. So. so for me, I know exactly what it was because I got cable in the fall of 1993. I still remember everything that was big, top 10 at that time. Mm-hmm. And the first video that aroused me that I saw that was big in the fall of 93 was for Shoop by Salt and Pepper. That's about. I remember seeing that That's video. That's got something for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I remember seeing that video, and that was like the first time where I was like, ooh. ooh. Like, you know, like I just caught a bit my little index finger, you know, like. 
Yeah. That definitely was the first like video where I watched it and was definitely aroused. Yeah, Jimmy? I remember, yeah. It was um the Wicked Game video. Ooh. On that beach. Good call. Yeah. Yeah. I remember What's that model's name? I just looked her up because I was like I was looking to see and I was like, and now I'm looking back and I'm like, wow. I wasn't wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who, who was it? Yeah, what's the name? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, yeah, I don't know. What, what's her name? Uh, Wicked Game Video Girl. And I always did. She was like a big... Helena Christensen. Oh, right, of course. Helena Christensen. Yeah, I yeah. cheated. Sorry. Uh, I mean, I like the song now more, honestly. But it's, I, but it, it not can, a good karaoke it can be, song. It can be really annoying. <laughs> oh, I, <laughs> <laughs> when people sing it, they can't sing. Oh, they I try mean, to hit that note. That... Because that's like that's, you have to have the right venue for it's, something like that. It's his. It's his note. There's yeah. very few musicians that have their own note. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's it's hard to sing. But I will say, uh, the second time I was on Lost and Rewound, I was uh, on it with my girlfriend at the time, Crystal Hernandez, and uh, she used to sing that at karaoke all the time. And yes, it was beautiful. Like she just did an amazing. I job. B- I believe it. I, sh- I remember her voice being very very sultry and wonderful. She could, yeah, she could rock it out. And I guess it ultimately depends on the venue because at a more at a younger venue where kids may not necessarily know, we would it's us- difficult to convince. We would usually go to karaoke at Beast of Burpin, uh, which I don't think they do it there anymore. No, but that was don't. on. Uh, and I was in like the like it's the in Cl- Bed Stuy. Yeah. Bed Stuy. Bed Stuy. Dougie J. I don't know if I found one that meets that exact criteria, but two came to mind. I remember getting in trouble for watching the Rump Shaker video. Oh, um, that, that was sort of an instant classic in that genre. Check, yeah. baby, check, um, baby, check. And I remember being excited when the video for Sir Mix-a-Lot's Put Him on the Glass would come <laughs> on the box. Oh, man, the box. Oh, my. Just that, just that phrase, put him on the glass. Put, put him on the glass, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, and I saw it more than one time, and I would think... Oh man, I hope that comes on again. But I, it, it was unpredictable because it was the box. One video that will always stand out around '95 was "Fantasy" by Mariah Carey, and because at that time I started to realize, oh shit, she got really hot. Yeah, yeah, she was really gorgeous. And is that the one on the tire? That's no, that's, that's the one in the amusement park. That's the amusement park one, right? Right. The one on the tire is always be my baby. I think. Well, I mean, she didn't. Tire swing. She she did not stray from my radar with subsequent music videos. I mean, really, when you had what was it, uh, Honey and then the Honey video, Honey Heartbreaker, those three flagship singles from subsequent albums, yeah, banging out the park, just sexy, Mariah sure. Carey, pr- Inner Prime, yeah. She's crazy as a yeah. coconut now. Yeah, yeah, but those were, I mean, those were real jams. I mean, I feel like at the time I did not appreciate Honey, and now every time I hear it, I'm just like, this is a fucking sick song, that it was piano. A, it was huh? a good roller skating song at the time. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Doug, you. Hey, buddy. <laughs> you did uh, DJing at roller skating rinks. Uh, ice skating. Ice primarily, skating. Primarily, yeah. Oh. Different vibe, colder. I- <laughs> Tell me what the what it was like DJing ice skating rinks. I mean, I don't know. It was fun. I was like a junior in high school, so I uh, I worked for a mobile DJ company, and one of the gigs they had was the ice skating rink, and the fully adult guys who did it were like, it's too cold. I don't want to deal with the kids. You want to do it, so you go do it. So <laughs> I would go pick up like the mobile DJing rig and plug into the sound system at the ice skating rink. It was in College Park, Maryland. And my ex-girlfriend was one of the, like, rink guards. I don't know. It was a lot of fun. I got to play, like, whatever I wanted, but I also had to, like, play stuff that people wanted to hear. Couple skating? Um, yeah, there was plenty of that. 
not as graceful and, and, and as Rose. I got Rink. to, I got to, yeah, I got to bring my like friends to hang out there sometimes. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, and that was always a good time. I think uh, the one that sticks out of my mind was playing Slam by Onyx. Amazing. <laughs> it was pretty Slam! Fun. It was pretty fun. I remember people dancing to it in the room where you like take off your skates and like being oh, okay. mad that they had left. And I played that on purpose because when I went roller skating as a much younger person, when in like 10 or 11, they wouldn't play any rap because it was only for teen night because they wouldn't play anything explicit for kids. Ah, uh, so teen I, night. So you yeah, had to had be like over a, 16? Yeah, like a teen night where it was like 13 plus uh, at the I roller see. skating rink when I was a kid. Got so it. then later when I had the chance to DJ the ice skating rink, I was like, I'm going to play whatever I want. Um, and the even though it was five years later and no one cared about Slam anymore, it was still pretty fun. What was your first DJ gig, Budgie? First DJ gig I can remember would have been like in middle school, like DJing like a friend's party or something like that, like a pool party. But uh, I have an interesting gig, uh, a, a more interesting story about a would-be gig. Uh, what, more interesting what, than mine? Uh, <laughs> Why you gotta be? Well, it's not a competition. No, I'm saying I'm more than my uh, battle of the dubs. The, <laughs> I love the idea that it was immediately taken that I'm not that I'm trying to outdo you as opposed to my boring middle school. Story. Not outdo him, uh, outdug him. Uh, <laughs> uh, fuck everybody in this room. I got better stories than y'all. Uh, but yeah, the. Uh, I the what would have been my first DJ gig uh, in Brooklyn uh, was booked at uh, what was it called uh, the Royal Oak back in 2011. So you know what, it wasn't my first gig ever because I did DJ at Freddy's before that. But it was supposed to be like a big like ooh, it's like a Saturday night and like it's gonna all my friends from Brooklyn. I didn't live in Brooklyn yet. I lived in you were in um, Long Island still, yeah. Yeah. So this was either 2010 or 2011. And I, like, I was, I had the Facebook invite, I had the whole thing going. I'm like, this is going to be a big break. And that, like, I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to start doing gigs in Brooklyn and get, like, real gigs. But uh, it was all set up. And then the day before what was supposed to be the party, the club closed down. Uh, (laughs) And, like... I, like, found out because I called and nobody was picking up the phone. And then I found it online, like, like a thing that said, like, permanently closed. And it just had closed. And, like, I remember, you know, I had to cancel the event. I was so upset about it. And my friend Nick had commented on it. And he was like, it's like, Doug, you're supposed to bring the house down at the show, not before it actually happens. You guys must have encountered this before as DJs. But, like, you, you get to, like, control hookups. Like, Very you have much. to make hookups happen or not happen. Oh, that was the whole deal with the Teenage Guide to Popularity. The first, the parties that we would throw were called the music video makeout parties because the idea was that we were going to, when it started, we would play music videos in particular that were kind of sensuous, like like just shit. Like, I mean, the whole thing started, we take our name from the video for uh, the, the song Popular. Yeah, yeah, yeah not a surf. surf. Which is like a very, it's like a high school video and there's like all this like just, lots of like making out and stuff like that and that was kind of the idea that alicia and i had it's like it'd be cool to like throw a party as adults because we used to watch these as kids and be like oh man it'd be so cool to be like a teenager <laughs> and it's funny that to be two people in our 20s uh and to be throwing this kind of party as almost like a revenge over like that idea of like yeah now we're in our 20s now we're throwing parties where people are gonna just do this all the time so yeah we would do that lots of people would come and lots of people would make out when I was in middle school and subsequently in high school, I got to go on these 
retreats for a bunch of young Jewish kids. Yeah. And it was called Young Judea. And I'm not certain how I got roped in. Another it. makeout session, if you're wondering. <laughs> Basically, I, I, I you know, got into it with the hopes, I, or my parents' hopes, that I would get more in touch with kids who shared my religion. It was a perfect way to, you know, get chummy with women not from my area because they would socialize kids from other areas of the Northeast. And I remember there would be a number of occasions, probably two or three different occasions, and definitely one at this campsite. And I was taking it upon myself to DJ the party time section. (laughs) The party time section of the festivities. Sometime after Shabbos or something. So it must have been like the Saturday night. And a lot of pressure because... I'm not really well liked. I'm not well. I'm not like. I'm not, I like I'm you, sorry. man. No, I'm not. I'm not hated. I'm not well liked. Was, I had a problem. I was not well liked. <laughs> but that, here I am. That phrase. But here I to am. Intro any story. Yeah. Here I am. This tiny pipsqueak, big nosed Jewish kid, trying to at this uh, party with man, other people that were not of similar characteristic. They just weren't really into me. Like, I wasn't a stud muffin who... I okay, just had it's because he used phrases like stud muffin. Is why I know, how did one. it not happen had, for you? I had my CD books, and there was a stereo, so I would just throw in a CD, and I would scramble to put the CD in. I would have the tracks all ready to go, but I had to... Like, yeah, hold on to your yarmulkes. Five, five seconds, the CD has to go on. Five seconds, the CD has to go on. And I remember there was a huge amount of pressure to get people dancing, and I... Oh, God. Uh, that was a pressure that I feel like I did not need to put up on myself. There was definitely times where it was like, this song sucks, or, you know, people being critics. Well, anymore. especially kids are not afraid of telling you how oh, they feel sure. about something. Yeah. Exactly. I did a middle school dance or two during that mobile DJ period of my high school years. And even though I was pretty close in age to the middle school yeah. kids, like I was a junior in high school, it's like four years apart, and I figured I knew what they were into, did not. Yeah, they were like, like they, yeah, they had no problem. Hey, the decks, grandpa. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they had no problem. They had no problem telling me that. Also, the parents would come tell me like when they weren't into it, and I was like, "How is this your job?" Yeah, I can smell the mothballs coming out of your jeans, old <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Please play something a little more current. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I guess you'll walk. When I was yep. yeah, when I was in middle school, uh, I would DJ like friends' parties and stuff. And what I would do is I would bring uh, two CD players and, and just have it like that. And that's how I would go back and forth. Mm. Yeah, all the way through high school at the beginning of college, believe it or not, I uh, well, I Serato's have been introduced probably at that point. Well, this is the thing I used to do is that so oh yeah, so back when I was using Ableton, like where I got started, I didn't have a laptop back then. So what I would do is I would go to bars, like I said, like I DJed at Freddy's, uh, and I also DJed at parties at people's houses and stuff like that. But what I would do is I would bring my entire desktop uh, setup. Now that's a DJ rig. Yeah, like that. <laughs> like I and like I had one of those towers that wasn't like one of those thin ones. It was one of those big fat 1995 ones. You know, I wish like, that you carried it in a milk crate, like yeah. those records. <laughs> yeah, like no, I, I did actually. Uh. I mean, like and I, I would come by and like so I'd have to put up the fucking monitor. And you can't just use the mouse or whatever, so you'd have to have the keyboard set up and everything. So I literally would have a desk of shit, like an office, just so that I could could DJ or whatever. It was really like, I wish somebody had photos of this because this setup was so preposterous. I have good news for you. They're right here. The photos. <laughs> this is your life. Let's I bring wish. Out, bring out our special and guest. And here's you yeah. on the toilet as well. We've got, <laughs> we've got them all. 
I'm but, sure somebody has them though. That's, that's yeah, pretty like, awesome. I yeah, I used to do that. Like I remember, like <laughs> like just it just looked so ridiculous of somebody just pointing out towards like you got this whole fucking setup, and then you also have this fucking two dollar uh, surge protector to all this stuff plugged into it. And stuff. You know the um, fire hazard. The, the, uh, yeah. the power glove, the Nintendo power glove thing from like the uh, '80s. You were talking about. Is it so bad? Yes. I just, I just wish that that was like you could somehow integrate that into a DJ setup, and you're like, oh, you yeah, for like, this? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, he's part of the machine. He's part of the machine. Like he's in the song. You could probably do that with Arduino or Raspberry Pi or something now, but I what? I wouldn't know where to start with it. What are uh, those? <laughs> those are both open source hardware products where you can make things, and if you have something that can send it a signal, like a power glove then you could program your open source hardware to do whatever you wanted with that signal. That is in that, theory. That is hacking. So people, yeah. Well, yeah, I guess you could say that. In a good way. People have used it to build involve the power glove it's uh, going to definitely be. Yeah, people way. have used it to build like <laughs> mo- emulators that play old Nintendo games and stuff. Sure. If you can find the emulation online, then you can build it in Raspberry Pi system and you can do lots of stuff with it. We got to switch gears. When we come yep. back after this quick break, we will get into the heart of the matter or the, uh, 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 you know, some something of that variety. I'm not Let's sure. Stick what with the heart of the matter. Heart of the matter. <laughs> heart cockles. Lost and rewound. Radio Free Brooklyn. So we're all men. We're all of We're not age. all men. Manly men. The listeners are not all men. Everybody in this room right are now. Are male, yes. Are male. Whoa. Yeah. And we awesome. have experienced at one point in our maybe not so graceful growing up periods a certain discovery of pornographic material. <gasps> Now, no. Now, in, in in the spirit of what I was getting to earlier with the Mariah Carey, we you know being aroused, right? In terms of, are our, you <laughs> I, I'm curious to get kind of an understanding as what our first experiences were with porn. <laughs> is that if that isn't too much well, to the, throw on the, the table? The devil came in. And he, oh, he whisk- did? And, he did whisk- he? and he whispered fire and, and poison into my ear. Uh... Let me break it down like this. When I was in eighth grade, my father was very concerned that I was so upset after a basketball game that he pulled us over at the gas station. He went in to get his... I don't like where the store is going. He, got his, <laughs> he, got, he went and got some gas. He got his like sugar high with some yodels or whatever. And he brought inside the car... After I had lost this game for the team and was miserable, a February edition of Playboy magazine. <laughs> that's like that's such a ridiculous story. Uh, I know you lost, kid, but like, why don't you crank one out? Get over it. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so he gave you a, a Playboy. You were thirteen. 
Yeah, 13 or 14. In the spirit of Lost and Rewound, where we uncover the mysteries of audio form. <laughs> These are uh, our mysteries that there, don't need uncovering necessarily. Apparently, <laughs> apparently, it was not the first time that I actually got a chance to read a pornographic magazine. This is an exclusive, and really... <laughs> Wow, this is like oh, a, this man. is a really, 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 really exclusive. Who is coming? Here we go. Pussy Wooters, man. We have to sell Miss January. Now we'll go. To... I haven't seen January. Don't worry about that. You see, my friends are kind of pornographic. You see, whenever I do the Dansker Zone, I have to go along with they do, and I can't be the boss, so I just let them do this. And <laughs> well, well, you guess what's happening now? Well, I don't think you should listen to this. Bye. But she's like more sexier. Oh God, this is something. I remember. Yes, I remember back then a year ago when I was so when I had this urge because you know it's that time it's that time when you do that you know it all comes in a boy's life you know girls won't understand though you know that's the thing anyway well you can understand that now well the truth of the matter is that we don't want to listen to this crap it sucks Editing thing could actually be called the high fidelity spying agency because you're kind of editing this stuff in a way. I think this—that's one of the best, Miss July. Oh, oh shut <laughs> up, you! I mean, me or ah, whatever. As <laughs> for you, man, big boobs too. Some dogs. That's true. Wee 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 wee. Oh wow wow. To be is to do. To do is to be. To be is to do. To do is to be. Dooby 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 doo doo. I have no idea what that's what about. All right, so song, uh, could you please explain to me what I just heard? Yeah, how did you know you had pornography in your hand? Well, there was <laughs> uh, very much a reference to Hooters in the very beginning, and then I'm talking about Miss July. And there's a lot of uh, objectifying for, uh, you know, what a typical 13, 14-year-old would do when presented with a naked woman's body. Right. Did you, ever, did you ever get one of those nudie pens? I don't, <laughs> no, I don't think so. Where the clothes fall oh, off? Oh, yeah, come on, man. That wasn't enough for me. <laughs> no, I definitely remember that there was, like, we, had, we got our hands on a nudie pen when we were kids, and... Um, we were way too happy. <laughs> <laughs> it was like it was exciting for way too long. Yeah. So, well, were you referencing Hooters the brand or Hooters the uh, part of the body? Or Hooters the uh, nickname for now? Um, I'm thinking it was probably the, brand. the yeah yeah exactly. Yeah. I probably didn't even know what Hooters were. I think I just had heard that word and I just was assuming that that was what boobs were. Well, I, I asked because I think one of my early encounters with you couldn't really call it porn but hooters had a magazine okay they would put out that had like a hooters girl of the month they were all wearing really? swimsuits and stuff i don't even but think it I was like that. A, a little hotter than a sports illustrated swimsuit edition sure but it was all supposed to be women who worked at hooters okay but in theory they're probably just models who worked a bar shift one day so they could be counted as working at Hooters. Have you guys actually ever been to Hooters? I've been Once. There. Yes. Yeah. I, I have not. The one in Manhattan in Midtown. Is like, it's just 
women. It's just a pretty normal restaurant. Yeah, uh, the wings are unremarkable with female staff. Just yeah, exactly. It's basically just that. That is literally it. It's just it's (laughs) it's a restaurant with female staff. (laughs) Exactly. Fair enough. That's sort of what I working support in general. Yeah, (laughs) working while female. Yeah. But this was a very specific time in our lives where we had internet AOL. We were beginning to realize that the internet the as power avenue, of the internet. exactly, yeah. the internet is for porn kind of thing going on, <laughs> and so we just began to discover, as young men did, to uh, figure out where they got their porn. And back then, it was all about which celebrities are nude, like which like nude celebrity scenes can I find? Yeah. And no one's talking. You're not asking any questions. What's what, the question? I'm curious what our first experiences were. Oh, okay. Well, mine were not uh, online. Like I mentioned the that Hooters magazine. But then also when I was in fourth or fifth grade, uh, we found a issue of Easy Rider, which is a uh, motorcycle magazine. But gentlemen would send in topless photos of their old ladies sitting on the <laughs> <on a> motorcycle. <laughs> wow. Um, so there was that. <laughs> Um, <laughs> How did you come across uh, that? Um, well, I, I feel like it's a cliche to say that you found it in the woods, um, <laughs> but we literally did. <laughs> wow! Like there was a in my ho- hometown in Maryland. There's a bike path that goes various places. Sure, but there's also Dirty like places. there's also like a um, lecherous place, just like a walk path from some of the roads into the bike path. There's one bike path so that eighteen plus. Yes. No. <laughs> 18 wheels. No, that doesn't make sense. Um, yeah, and so it was on one of these, like, sideways to the bike path. Someone had just, like, chucked it. Yeah. Um, and we were like, oh, my God, amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, my first experience with that would be uh, TV-based discovery. Um, it's kind of similar to what you were just saying in the sense that uh, you would be, like, looking for – any type of nude scene in a film or something like that or whatever in that uh like online because with me it would be more like i had like every movie channel i had like every hbo every show Ah. every cinemax so i would just basically like there'd be some movies in particular where i knew there'd be like a sex scene or something like that so i would maybe check that out maybe tape it watch it again later i totally forgot about that yeah watching entire films just just because i heard there was a sex scene in there. Can we very, say, I, I, very I, I real recall thing. watching just one of the guys for that exact reason. I watched, uh-huh. I watched Swordfish for that reason. Yeah. Right? Oh, uh, my God. Definitely. That movie was awful. It's a bad yeah. movie. Um, awful movie. And then, I mean, no offense, Halle Berry, but I mean... I mean, I was like, I watched the whole movie I, for this. I couldn't. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there was just a really short scene of nudity. I think. See, for me, yeah. it wasn't nudes weren't enough. I needed to have a sex scene in order sure. for oh my God, to be but, but sex scenes and just the, I mean. They don't like scientifically. They don't work. There's just if you look at the angles and like right, but in a way they were like some were done in a way that was like because you know, maybe in a way the fact that it didn't work it was it was sexy because it was just sort of like how are they doing? It? I, I got and it. we were at that age before we really knew. And yeah, you didn't know, so it would be like yeah, all right, that you makes added sense. added an air of mystery to the whole sure thing. to the whole sex. I thing. gotta give Spin Magazine credit for this, but they put out. Uh, around the time the faculty came out with yep. Elijah Wood and Jordana Brewster For and her. John Stewart, incidentally, also played one right. of the teachers. Um, but they were creating this list, they curated this huge list of all B movies, and they had like a legend that said how many different elements 
of these certain tropes uh, occur in this such a movie. So like Rumblefish, for example, and Meatballs, and uh, Animal House, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I would not have even known about that movie had it not been mentioned. And just the mentioning of Phoebe Cates, I'm like, check, but, yep, doing that. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> Checkmate. It's funny. A friend of mine Check used to work book. at her, uh, her <laughs> checkbook. <laughs> checkbook. <laughs> checkbook, please. In my book, I have checked off yeah. this movie. Yeah, that's, but, a, that's a new one. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Phoebe Kate. It's funny. Uh, my friend Aubrey worked in her boutique for several years. Oh. Yeah, okay. you know, was another movie like that, Wild Things. Yeah, oh, yeah, Wild Things was, was like that up. that's like the king of the B movies. Like yeah. it has all of the tropes. Uh, Cruel Intentions the, too. I felt. Yeah, Cruel Intentions was like very like it was just like titillating. A, yeah, it was just a very titillating movie. What was the name uh, of the women in the in Wild Things? Because both of them are doing Nev Campbell and Nev Denise Campbell Richards. Yeah. I've never seen them again. Really. I was just thinking of Cruel Intentions. I went to see that in high school with my girlfriend, and her mom drove us there and was going to see another movie. Oh, okay. But then she couldn't. She didn't like that movie. Oh, no. no. So she left and no. watched Cruel Intentions. No. But we didn't. She sat in front of us. We didn't see her, and we didn't know until we were walking out that oh my she had God. been in there watching it. So then it was really awkward. Wait, yeah. Did you have Cruel Intentions? No. <laughs> I did not. My intentions were good. One of my first movies that I ever saw uh, on a date, it was actually, I think it was the first girl I ever dated. Uh, we went and saw Private Parts, that Howard Stern Oh, yeah, I remember that one. Biopic. And there's plenty of, uh, you know, not. I mean, it's it's very risque, obviously, because it's Howard Stern. Yeah. But probably not the best movie to go to see when you're 14 with a first girlfriend kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, the first time I went on a <laughs> Yeah, it's a weird picky. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the first... He was out of that of The Saint with Val Kilmer. Oh, that would have yeah. been cool. You know, <laughs> the first date I ever went on was to see the movie Red Dragon. Oh, my God, yeah. Uh, and we walked into the wrong theater. In other words, it was playing Red Dragon. But we walked in an hour into the movie. And because we were running late, we figured the movie must have just started. And we were two minutes into it. But in fact, we were about 62 minutes into it. You know, it was like the wrong time. So it took us a while to realize that we're like, this is so confusing. What, like, why is this like, weird? And why are like main characters dying already? And then we realized that we're like, oh, we're in the wrong theater. We watched it at the wrong, at the wrong time. I had a, a hilarious one where I, I took a girl to see Anchorman. Yeah. And uh, I knew nothing about it. It was before it had any hype. It was just like, hey. And it was like the first of those Will Ferrell movies. Yeah, you yeah. You know, right? Yeah. Old school had just come out. And this was like his own vehicle, one of his first vehicles, yeah. right? And we went to see it, and I remember we went, like, to make out in the theater. Yeah. And we'd already been dating a little bit, and then we started making out, and, like, within 15 minutes of that movie, it was so funny. That you could... We just looked at each other and go, do we just watch? And yeah, then, like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. we should make out later. Like, this is funny. Like, we spent money. Like, this is like... Are you, you just said Knights of Columbus, that hurts. Like, this is good. <laughs> yeah, I used to go, yeah, to movies just to make out. Like, I mean, I saw, like, the really bad Jim Carrey movie, uh, number 23. Oh, God. I was, that like, must have been awful. Yeah, and I was, like, 19, I think, when that came out. But I was still doing that, going to movies and making out in the theater. That was... Yeah, that was very bad. I want to say that I did that with the second time that I saw House on a Haunted Hill. House on the Haunted Hill or whatever it was called. The House really, on Haunted Hill. House on Haunted Hill. No, the. Because apparently I saw it twice only because I uh, was requested by the girl I was seeing then at that time to come and check it out. Actually, let us go on this topic of 
Haunted Hills? Coupling, of coupling up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, this, this is something that maybe Doug and I could uh, relate to as the clip reads, As I resident know, couples. I know nothing about marriage is the name of this file. Fair okay. enough. Listen right now to all the old zombie himself, Kurt Cobain. God. It's pretty pissed off. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well, this weekend, there's going to be a wedding from that dancer family. <laughs> yes, yours truly, Zomaster himself, will, Zoman will be, you know, attending it, seeing how it works. Suicide, <laughs> yeah. No, I wouldn't be suicide at a wedding. That would make everyone weird. Anyway, so... So, yes, we're going to a wedding. And, you know, it should be cool. But, you don't have to wear on weird, gunky suit stuff that makes me really pissed off because we have to spend $20 on clothes at some weird Bloomingdale's shit store. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about, but that's the truth. It is the truth, I say. Oh! As I was saying, so yes, it's true. Go to a wedding, and we spend a lot of clothes. We spend a lot of money get going to the wedding. We give the bride and the groom a lot of money so we can go to their wedding because they need their insurance money. It's weird, huh? It's weird how it all works out. How going to a wedding—it's the nicest thing. Not just pouring. You lose all your money from just going to see someone get love. And I wouldn't be surprised if they just get down on the floor. <laughs> get down on the floor and, you know, <laughs> uh, do all the kinds of things. We see here there's feel, there's bite, there's blow, there's <laughs> a lot of cool traits in the act of sex. I can just imagine black and white, the colors of the wind. <laughs> Blowing is wind. <laughs> they should also sell black and white condoms at the wedding. That would be really cool. I wonder if rice gets into their eyes when they really go down the, the aisle. Man, that was hurt. This well, that, kid hates weddings. <laughs> that was fascinating. You were playing Milk It by Nirvana in the background. So the car that I was in was owned by Cheryl Kurash, who was my former godmother. Um, my godparents who i used to have when i was younger they lived out in stony brook and so the wedding was in long island we were hanging out with my godparents for a bit while we were out in that neck of the woods yeah and you know that's the music that they listened to they were listening so you were recording yourself in the car that's correct okay and no one turned around to say anything when you started talking about biting and blowing I mean, you heard like, me. I, I, like no. I made a very clear shit there. In <laughs> and yeah, I, you're, I, you're I, at fucking edgy, man. Yeah, yeah, very. Bloomingdale's like, is shit. Exactly. Fuck weddings. I, I, and <laughs> condoms. Exactly. I had a feeling that maybe I gave myself more of the liberty to speak freely because neither my mother or my father were in the car to pay attention to what I was saying. Once you were on the tape recorder, it wasn't Elon anymore. It was Elon Thunder. (laughs) (laughs) It is rather amusing to hear that, especially since that wedding that I went to 
to bring it back to what you were talking about before about dancing, that was the first wedding I can honestly remember where I was dancing up a storm. Yeah, that's where I that's where I got my start. Dan- yeah, dancing. I probably did in the same. Weddings. Yeah, I probably did the same. To be honest, I would go to family weddings. I wasn't drinking when I was a kid, you know, but like where I just started to like kind of cut loose exactly. and, and whatever. That's kind of what it where too I many Shirley to. Temples. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's probably where it all begins with me as well in terms right. of that. Because, I mean, I lo- you know, as much as, like like yourself, I love to go out and, and uh, dance it up a bit. Although I don't do it professionally on any level. Right. But, yeah. He likes to get down. He likes to boogie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's precisely, yes. I didn't really like get a chance to appreciate that at that age, I guess, was the fact that we get free food. We get a whole entire night to drink as much as we want in oh, theory. Yeah. You know, different times back then. The weddings are the best. I DJ weddings. You do DJ weddings. I do, yeah, yeah. Do you DJ a wedding recently? Uh, last one I did was in November. It's kind of the dead season right now, but wedding season starts in April. Um, yeah, I learned that from Wedding Crashers. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's fun. I usually, I mean, I get free drinks and stuff like that because that's the thing. I, I'd like to drink while I'm DJing because I like to get a little bit like on their level because it's mm-hmm. a little weird if you're just completely stone cold sober and like you're trying to like DJ for drunk people. It's like you right. have to feel you have to become the drunk person. I've never like hooked up or had any sort of um, you know con- relationship with someone that I met at a wedding because by the time I started going to friends' weddings, I was already with my now wife. So yeah. You know, but before our wedding, all the weddings that we would go to, obviously, were, you know, I was, it was effectively, I was coupled up. And every other wedding before that was all family weddings. Right. I never uh, hooked up at a wedding I was a guest at, uh, but as a DJ a couple of times after. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Fresh. That's why you become a DJ in the first place, right? (laughs) You're like, yeah, it's all about. The music. <laughs> Get real, yeah. Jimmy is convulsing here in the studio, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, no, it's there, there was one wedding I did over the summer uh, in particular where that had happened, but yeah. where uh, I ended up DJing the after party, uh, like where we just went to a restaurant, but it was just us. Like we rented out the whole place, and they were like, could he hook up his laptop to like the speakers or whatever so they were like oh we're not sure but i'm like oh i got this and i went back and i like unplugged a billion things and found the thing to go in there so it was really cool i dj'd from the actual bar like that was at this restaurant or whatever so people were like dancing in the place and i had to turn the lights down until i kept turning it up and up until where all the restaurant speakers blew out <laughs> well, they must have loved you oh yeah but the <laughs> thing is they didn't realize they thought i just finished and i was just like oh uh, i guess i gotta go and then i made out with a bridesmaid and that was it holler so it was a real it was a real night from that clip we heard basically a a totally infantile concept of what weddings are like in terms of relationship and i was curious if there was anything that stuck out oh man more than because evidently everything stuck out. well it certainly seemed very uh, what's the word uh i'm sick so i'm trying to very cynical that's exactly what I'm trying to figure out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Angsty. Like, yeah, very cynical at such a young age about weddings. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, you're not anymore. You are a married man. Did you have a wedding that was like a uh, like a wedding wedding? Or it was, was a it... very cynical wedding. <laughs> yeah, like what was it like? <laughs> uh, it's a good question, actually. Um, it was very DIY in a lot of respects. And, yeah. and in, in full disclosure... Uh, Doug here, Doug Johnson, was, <laughs> was the DJ for that wedding. Oh, okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, so... 
fully disclosed when he starts bashing the DJ. That's me. <laughs> I remember actually it was a lot of fun collaborating with you on like records to play. You have obviously an expansive record collection. Mine, not so expansive. So it was really nice to be able to put heads to work and see what of mine you would want to play yeah, around with start, and see. If... I started from yours and uh, your wife's record collection and then yeah. brought mine in. And the one tip I could give to anybody who's uh, DJing a wedding is to, if you're involved in the wedding also, like I was in your salon, to go around at the rehearsal dinner the night before, anytime you see anybody from the wedding, and just make notes of their requests then. Yeah. So you can make sure you have them. They're not hounding you about it during the actual thing. Precisely. You put them in an order that you like, and you know that people will hear the songs they want. Right. Um, that was the first time I decided to pay for Spotify. Just so that I could get all the songs I needed for your wedding. Nice. I'm very adamant about just being very much in touch with the bride and groom ahead of time and talking about everything they like and dislike. But in general, I don't take requests from the guests uh, unless they fit the vibe that the bride and groom has already laid out. Because if you just let everybody just start requesting everything, you're just going to have like chaos and it's not going to, you know, DJing is DJing. It's not just simply just being like, here's a song, here's a song, you know. But that's that's kind of my motto with that. Or my thing for people who like say, can I have a request? And uh, or do you take requests? The the way to sort of deflect that is to always just say like, yeah, if it's good, and then that's it, you know. Like because then they get kind of shaken up. They're like, oh, uh, they get a little bit humbled by that. So that's kind of. My trick. Not my trick. It's my friend Serene's trick, but I take it from him. The only request that I put off playing at your wedding was um, Pharrell Happy. Ah. <laughs> didn't fit at all. Yeah. And, like, it's not a song I like. So I put it off for as long as I could until whoever it was that I requested it came up to me for, like, the third or fourth time and was like, when are you going to play it? That's so I played yeah. it at the end right after uh, Pony. Oh, nice. That's awesome. <laughs> Pony, happy. But yeah, the, <laughs> they, uh, yeah, that song was big at weddings for like a minute, but I feel like it's already been phased out. Happy, that is. Pony yeah. will always it's, work. It, happy's done. It's already done its last leg. Yeah. yeah. Good riddance. Well, this was a couple years ago now, so. How has Heya aged? Heya still kills it. It's not always requested, uh, but that's actually why it's even better to play because a lot of people do kind of forget about it. It's right in that zone because it came out in 2003 I think yeah it's right in that sort of zone of being so like uh, so old that like it's just old enough in which people kind of forget it but not old enough in which it has the sort of uh, real heavy nostalgia like it's nostalgic but it's like it's not like where you play an Ace of Bass song and it has like a heavy nostalgia thing it's right in this sort of dead zone it's like it's really ripe actually because it's not overplayed anymore at this point because it's uh, it's completely out of its being played on radio for quite some time at this point. But it's not quite old enough in which it's like overplayed at these type of events yet. So it really is actually tip to all DJs that Heya is very much re-ripe for. <laughs> that was the like second to last song we played at my wedding. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was when we blew the speakers or, oh. or rather uh, clipped the amp. So yeah. the song stopped in the middle. My head almost exploded. Yeah. Um, and uh, we had a band there. Uh, shout out to Blah Blah Blah. Uh-huh. Um, they were fantastic. The best. And they picked up playing it. No way. And it was killer. That's um, really cool. And, uh, yeah, Clutch. it was a blast. It was like everyone was, they were playing and everyone was singing along. So you had a band and a DJ. Yeah. We had them play their original music. So they did like an hour long set. And then uh, we just had playlists. Oh. Uh, so um, that's pretty cool. Yeah, we had both. 
It was. I feel, I feel like Outcast is one of those bands though that is gonna be timeless. Give it, give it another ten years, and people will be like, "Oh, yeah, Outcast, play I mean, it, play yeah, it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. They kept on improving on their sound. I mean, they started really strong, and then they just kept on advancing. Yeah, it became more and more theirs. Yeah, I feel like people who don't like that genre of music in general will be like, "Oh, yeah." But Outcast, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah, I, I sure. like those songs. Though it's pretty much already there, yeah. But it's it'll be even more so. Like every person that exists <laughs> will just be like always look at that as being like, oh yeah, that's good. We got to get out of here in a little bit. Um, before we go, I definitely did uh, want to glaze over Doug Johnson's uh, project that is on Mixcloud. Is there any update on one record a week at all? Oh yeah, uh, it's still going strong on Instagram. Snaps and hooks, and uh, by one record a week. Put it on Instagram, maybe talk a little bit about why I thought it was interesting or special. And every six months or so, I collect them, put a mix out on Mixcloud. It's also Mixcloud, Snaps and Hooks. And the next one should be out in April-ish. Cool. So be on the lookout for that. Bludgy, you've got, uh, yeah. obviously, Young some Adult stuff Friction coming up. Uh, yeah, Young Adult Friction is the indie alt dance party. Uh, that is either going to be March 3rd or March 4th. It depends on Cool Keith. Which one? Which date he takes, and which date I take, at El Cortez in Brooklyn. Try to go before because he's gonna tear the place down. <laughs> and uh, Jimmy, you have anything coming up? You got the Jeet Jet Sunday night open mic. Yeah, it's gonna be this coming Sunday. <gasps> yes, <laughs> and uh, I'll be hosting. That's on twentieth between twentieth and twenty first on Fifth Avenue. Nice. In what is Park Slope, South Slope, Sunset Park, South Brooklyn? Yeah, whatever yeah. that. Yeah, whatever whatever that is. Real estate heads. That's 9 o'clock Sunday night. Come out. Musicians, poets, yeah. uh, jazz tap dancers, you know. And quick plug for me, because normally I don't have anything coming up, but I actually, on March 5th at Tilt in Bushwick, a uh, new bar that just opened up over on McKibben Street in off Morgan Avenue, I've been slated to read for a teen angst journal entries uh, hour. Everyone's going to be like reading old journal entries and dressing up like their old middle school selves. So if huh. you if you weren't already convinced that I'm knee deep in this shit, I'm doing it in a totally more active level than just here in the studio yeah. with Doug Bledgy, Doug Johnson, and of course Jimmy. The voice of God Hoffman. <laughs> Jimmy the Toolman Hoffman. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much to the Dugs here in the studio with us here this week for Lost and Rewound. Pleasure. Thank you, guys. Catch us again next week, Thursday, 3 p.m. right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Bye-bye. Thanks so much, guys. Like the, the thing is, it all like, hey, you fucker. Yeah, just we're all just like, all right. back to my shrimp. That was okay. All right. All right. Everybody stretch. Stretch break. Is everybody's phone on silent, by the way? Yeah, buddy. Um, I always put my phone up as loud as possible, hoping that I'm going to get a call because I'm like, I'm, I'm preparing a bit. Like, because <laughs> you want to <laughs> seem important. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm sorry, I have to take this. Uh, excuse me. Oh my god, it's my it's my dog. There's a crazy mystery going Your on. Your dog called <laughs> Scooby Doo. Yeah, this kind of he's in he's in the back of my van. Scrappy.